There's uh, probably been a few times in history when it's been harder to raise a godly family than in the culture in which we live today. More and more, mothers need godly role models to help light the way through these dark and perilous times. Lois and Eunice, Timothy's grandmother and mother, were such lights during what many consider to have been the most difficult time to be a follower of Christ. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, the Apostle Paul acknowledged the wonderful influence that these two women had in Timothy's life. The influence they had in his faith. Beginning when he was still young enough to be fed and carried and dressed, they discipled him for Christ, faithfully teaching him the word of God. From a child, Paul says, thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. That wasn't a compliment to Timothy. It was a compliment to his mother and his grandmother. And like all the great and godly women before them, these women of faith, these women of the word, were beautiful portraits of God's grace. And today, you, dear mothers, can also manifest such grace to your children. God can use you, your examples, your words to shape tomorrow. For no one on earth holds more sway over your children's hearts and minds than you do. For many years, you can shape their lives by your life and your words and your touch and your prayers. You can melt them with love. You can steal them with truth. You can shape them with conviction. You can guide them with insight. And all that is what God calls you to do. Mothers rejoice, for there isn't a higher calling in the universe than what God has given you. Mothers can have a tremendous impact on the future of the Lord's work. Young Timothy, in a home with an unbelieving father, was disciplined, was discipled by his godly mother. And mothers here today, this is what you need to prayerfully set about to do day by day. During this short life on earth, this prelude to eternity, God has assigned parents the role of standing in his place to show our children what he's like. God has given you tiny hands to hold, to walk with through this world step by step until you lead them to your heavenly Father and place their hands in his everlasting hands. But how do we begin to hold their hands and to disciple them for Christ? How will our children begin to see what God is like through us? Well, children will better understand what God is like by first learning to honour their mother and father. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour thy father and thy mother. And the Greek word there to obey, obey your parents, means to obey out of duty. Learning to obey out of duty is essential if a child is to come to understand what God is like. It is improbable that they will learn to obey God whom they can't see unless they first learn to obey authorities in their life who they can see. 
And therefore, from the time that they are young enough to need to be fed and to be carried and to be dressed, children must be taught obedience out of duty. Because to God, to obey is better than sacrifice. To obey is better than anything else we can offer the Lord. Being, a, being trained to obey because it's right will help to create teachable hearts open to learning more and more about our great God and all of his wondrous attributes. And as this occurs... Rather than merely obeying the Lord out of duty, children will increasingly evidence submission out of devotion. They move from obedience as just out of duty to obedience and submission out of devotion. And this spirit was demonstrated by Jesus who at the age of 12 submitted himself to Mary and Joseph, says he was subject to them. And the scripture in the same paragraph records that he increased in wisdom and in stature and in favour with God and man. Later on in his life, Jesus summarised this submission out of devotion by saying, if you love me, keep my commandments. Devotion leading to submission. Now the question is, how can you parent in a way that leads your children to devotion out of submission? How can you parent in a way that doesn't rob your children of the joy of honouring and obeying the Lord and you? Well, the answer is, by God's grace, to increasingly model the characteristics of a genuine disciple of Christ before your children. By God's grace, increasingly model the characteristics of a genuine disciple of Christ before your children. To be able to say to your children, as the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthians, be a follower of me as I am of Christ. Be an imitator of me as I'm an imitator of Christ. The effective discipling of children involves a twofold process outlined for us in Ephesians 6 verse 4 where it says, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The word nurture there refers to the process of training children to come under your authority and to respect your word so that they're more likely to respond to being discipled. And then you do that and then you bring in the admonition of the Lord. This is a specific type of training that disciples children in the ways of the Lord. Learning about God and his ways. And so the first part is teaching, training them to obey. Secondly, teaching them about God. Training them to obey and teaching them about God. This is the way we disciple our children. And this twofold process applies through all the stages of a child's development. It begins on day one and continues through their entire development. It begins with their infant and toddler years. During these years, parents stand as God's visible representatives to lovingly and to consistently disciple their children with the goal of bringing about outward obedience. Young children obey initially out of duty. However, it's never too early to begin to teach our children about God. It's never too young, it's never too early to teach them what God is like 
I read yesterday about a testimony of a fellow who said that by the time he was old enough to sit in church, he already knew all of the hymns because his mother used to sing them to him from his earliest days. Begin early to reach their hearts. Begin early to teach them that love requires obedience. Teach them through the school years. As your children grow in their knowledge and understanding of God, continue to disciple them in the ways of God's wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, Proverbs 1.7. So therefore pray that they would fear the Lord. Pray that they would fear the Lord so much that they have to get saved. And they want to get saved and they do get saved. Pray that they would fear the Lord and, and be sanctified. For in these formative years, children progress from obedience out of duty to submission out of devotion. Their understanding of God increases so much so, and they see it modelled by their parents, that they see their parents being submissive to the Lord out of their devotion, and this is what happens in their own life. Therefore, parents, particularly mothers, Pursue knowing your child well enough to to know what their spiritual pulse is, to know where they're at spiritually. Keep the word of God always before them. Live a Christ-like life constantly before them. Spend much time with them, as Deuteronomy 6 says, so that you can pour God's truth into their lives. Be ready for those teachable moments when there is a clear open door, an open window into their hearts. Guide them into God's truth. Disciple them, prayerfully praying that they in turn will become true followers of the Lord Jesus Christ themselves. And the goal of all of our discipling of our children is to launch them into life as genuine followers of Christ who yield to the Master in His hands. They're useful in His service. By the grace of God, after you have faithfully implanted the Word of God in their lives and lived your life as an example before them, By the grace of God, you will then begin to see, you'll begin to experience the great joy of seeing your own children walk in the truth, as the Apostle John says. Launched into life, walking in the truth. Launched into life, discipling others. I think the thing to remember is that we harvest in a different season till we sow, than we sow. We harvest in a different season than we sow. And sometimes the harvest seems slow in coming. But brethren, God is faithful. What we sow, we will reap. So let us not be weary in well-doing. Keep sowing. Keep sowing. Over time, you'll find your relationship with your children grows and develops and moves along from initially being a nurturer and and a discipler to, to being a friend to bring a fellow brother and sister in the family of God and relating that way, to relate to them as fellow co-workers, peers in the work of the Lord. And the mother who is a portrait of God's grace fosters an atmosphere in the home where these kinds of relationships can develop and thrive. Mothers, as the primary discipler of your children, you have a great privilege of watching God's hand at work in their lives. Can you picture yourself in such a role? What does it take to fulfill such a responsibility? Well, as you faithfully focus 
upon God. As you faithfully go to his word, take it in and live it out, God will help you to increasingly model the characteristics of a genuine disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Does the Lord perfect, expect perfection? No. That's not possible this side of heaven. But we remember God isn't after your ability. He's after your availability. Simply put, God wants your heart. And as you surrender yourself, your own heart, unreservedly to Christ, the Spirit of God takes the Word of God and uses it to form you into the image of his, the Son of God. And that kind of life lived in the home has a tremendous impact upon the children. Amy Carmichael's life is a beautiful portrait of someone who unreservedly surrendered to Christ. And that bore abundant fruit to the glory of God. She was born on the 16th of December, 1867. Little village on the north coast of Ireland. She died at the age of 83 after a lifetime of service to the needy outcasts of India. But when she died... She left behind a spiritual family of thousands. Her bed was covered with flowers. Upon her death, children sang for an hour and a half. She suffered, but she faithfully endured to the end. We asked herself the question, what kind of home produced this remarkable woman? How do you raise a child in a way that makes them free from self-indulgence and ever confident in the goodness of a loving Heavenly Father. Well, Elizabeth Elliot wrote a biography of Amy Carmichael. The book is entitled Chance to Die. And in that book, she gives us an insight into this remarkable Irish home in which Amy Carmichael grew up. Here's a quote from the book. It says, There is no question in the minds of the Carmichael children as to what was expected of them. Black was black and white was white. Their parents' word could be trusted absolutely. And when it was not obeyed, there were consequences. Here is a great biblical principle behind this kind of relationship. Even Ted Koppel of the American Broadcasting Company's Nightline can see it. Speaking to the graduates at Duke University, he said that the reason honour thy father and thy mother was included in the first five commandments which deal with our relationship to God is that parents stand in the place of God for their children. We're charged by God to show our children what God is like. And what was Amy's own estimation of the home in which she was raised? Long afterwards, this is what she wrote. She says, I don't think there could have been a happier child than I was growing up in that home. Her parents stood in the place of God and taught her what God was like. And taught her that God was someone who was loving. And taught her that God was someone who could be trusted. Her parents' faithfulness reaped Amy's total submission out of devotion. Devotion and faithfulness that then became the pattern of her life. Amy Carmichael's parents seriously followed God's charge to show to children what God is like. And Philippians chapter 2 verses 1 to 8 
capture that spirit. If you've got it open, verse 1 begins this way. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. As you look at those eight verses, there are three themes that are predominant. It's the theme of love, it's the theme of unity, it's the theme of humility. Love, unity and humility. And with that in mind, I want us to consider some ways that a discipling mother can manifest this trinity of graces to her children. Firstly, mothers disciple by unconditional love. In John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus said, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know you are my disciples, if you have loved one to another. This is what a disciple looks like. This is how we make disciples. This is how we impact others. And the discipling mother understands that her children need to be loved unconditionally. Her love is not dependent on whether or not the child performs to certain expectations. Rather, the discipling mother accepts and affirms. A child for who he or she is. That is, someone made in the image and likeness of God, affirmed for that, not for what he or she might do. God expresses this kind of love towards us in Romans 8, when he affirms that there is nothing that can separate us from his love. Nothing in us, nothing that might happen out there, changes God's love towards us. And because of this, we Love him who first loved us. God's love for us is of a nature that there is nothing that we can do that will cause God to love us any less. The nature of God's love is that there is nothing that we can do that would cause God to love us any more. And this is the unconditional nature of love which must be shown to our children. Being disciples of Jesus Christ is all about loving one another unconditionally. Making disciples of Jesus Christ is all about loving one another unconditionally. Mothers disciple their children by loving them unconditionally. 1 Corinthians 13 beautifully describes Christ-like love. And in her book, Keep the Fire Glowing, Diane Diane Longrand has provided a paraphrase of 1 Corinthians 13, specifically and particularly to applying it to a mother's ministry to her children. Let me give it to you. If I talk to my children about what is right and what is wrong, but have not love, 
I'm like a ringing doorbell or pots banging in the kitchen. And though I know what stages they will go through and understand their growing pains and can answer all their questions about life and believe myself to be a devoted mother but have not love, I have nothing. If I give up the fulfilment of a career and make my children to make my children's lives better and stay up all night sewing costumes and baking cookies on short, short notice but grumble about my lack of sleep, I have not love and accomplish nothing. A loving mother is patient with her children's immaturity and kind even when they are not. A loving mother is not jealous of their youth, nor does she hold it over their heads when she has sacrificed for them. A loving mother does not push her children into doing things her way. She is not irritable when the chicken pox have kept her confined for three, with three whining children for two weeks, nor does she resent the child who afflicted the home in the first place. A loving mother is not relieved when her disagreeable child finally disobeys her directly and she can punish him, but rather rejoices in him when he is being more cooperative. A loving mother bears much of the responsibility for her children. She believes in them. She hopes in each one's individual ability to stand out as a light in the dark world. She endures every backache and heartache to accomplish that. A loving mother never really dies. As for home-baked bread, it will be consumed and forgotten. As for spotless floors, they will soon gather dust and heel marks. As for children, well, right now, toys, friends and food are all important to them. And when they grow up, but when they grow up, it will have been how their mothers love them. That will determine how they love others. And in that way, she will live on. So care, training, and a loving mother reside in a home. These three. But the greatest of these is a loving mother. Love always chooses to act in the best interest of others. In other words, a discipling mother is a mother who, like a friend in the book of Proverbs, loveth at all times. Loveth at all times. Secondly, a mother disciples her a mother disciples by unity producing grace-filled lives. A mother disciples by living, perhaps that's the better way to put it, by living a unity producing grace-filled life. One of the discipling mother's top priorities is to promote unity among family members so that they can be of one accord, of one mind, says in Philippians 2. And such peace and harmony is modelled through the following seven graces listed there on your sheet. Firstly, openness. A discipling mother is graciously open to the close examination by members of her family. Examination even into her spiritual life, even by her children. They seem to notice everything. Of one thing we can be sure, our homes, at homes our lives are like an open book. Our, our, at home our lives are like an open letter, an open epistle known and read of everyone in the home, particularly, especially the children. Children can be very discerning. They know when we're not doing things God's way. You know the old saying, mother knows best. That may be true, but that's not saying that mothers never mess up. 
And when you do, mums, don't clam up. Be open. Much of a mother's time will be spent getting motes, that is, small specks out of their children's eyes. But Jesus said, get the beam out of your own eye first. Be open to that, even if it's the child that points it out to you. The Lord says, confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that she may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous mum avails much. There's to be openness leading to confession and prayer. That brings healing, James says. That promotes family unity. And mum should set an example there. Secondly, teachableness. When trying to promote unity and like-mindedness in her family, a discipling mum recognises that God has created us all with different temperaments. And the different temperaments in the family members are to be treasured and to be enjoyed. She never assumes that because she's an adult she knows everything. No, a discipling mother is willing to listen to her children, listen to what they have to say. She's often surprised at how much she learns from them. And if the Holy Spirit uses even her children to bring into her life some personal conviction, well, she takes appropriate action to address those deficiencies. Proverbs 15.32 says, He that refuses instruction despiseth his own soul. But he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. Mums are much better able to teach others when they themselves continue to be teachable. Thirdly, kind-heartedness. There are many different ways of expressing kind-heartedness. For example, there are words like tenderness, compassion, sympathy, forbearance, understanding, thoughtfulness. A mother with such a spirit identifies with the pain of others, desires to be a burden-bearer freely, spontaneously, extending comfort when one of the children is hurting, This is the instinctive reaction. She becomes a visible representation of the God of all comfort. It's what God is like, 2 Corinthians 1 verse 4. Fourthly, truthfulness. The discipling mother is discerning enough to know when to confront a problem rather than just waiting to be asked about it. Ecclesiastes 3.7 says there's a time to keep silence. And there's a time to speak. And the the discipling mother knows when to speak and how to speak the truth in love. She knows that iron sharpeneth iron. So a mother can sharpen the countenance of her children. Proverbs 27 verse 17. Fifthly, meekness. A discipling mother has, according to 1 Peter 3, a meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of God of great price. She's willing to yield her rights and expectations to God. The cry of her heart is, My soul, wait thou only upon God. My expectation is from Him. Psalm 62 verse 5. Therefore she's not quickly angered because she's learned to seek the grace of God to avoid responding in a way which the Apostle Peter tells us is often an exasperation and a discouragement to our children, provoking them to wrath. Meekness. 
When appropriate, the discipling mother will follow Galatians 6 verse 1. Brethren, if a man's overtaken in a fault, if, if your child is overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself lest thou also be tempted. Meekness adds a new dimension to discipline. It's not new. Maybe for some it's just different. Number six, trustworthiness. Earning your children's trust is a top priority. The discipling mother knows that if children can't trust their parents, then they're probably not likely to trust God either. And so therefore showing confidentiality regarding sensitive matters is very, very important to a mother. If a child says something, shares something with a with their mother, which is very, very sensitive to them and then learns that this has been shared freely with others. That can create a great problem. Proverbs 26, 22 says that the words of a talebearer are as wounds. They go down to the innermost parts of the belly. Proverbs eleven thirteen tell us that a talebearer revealeth secrets. But he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. Number seven, faithfulness. The discipling mother realises that all of these graces are meaningless without the daily faithfulness to God lived out in front of her children. Therefore, more and more she desires to know God personally, to know what he is like, to know what he loves, to know what pleases him. And out of a passion of her heart, she, 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 she wants to be a woman after God's own heart. She cries out like David does, Psalm 119, Give me understanding that I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Verse 97, Oh, how I love thy law, it's my meditation all the day. Verse 103, Thy words, how sweet are thy words to my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. These lists of graces foster love and that foster love and unity could go on and on and on. But the point I I wish to make is this, that the more you grow in Christ-likeness, here's the point, the more you grow in grace, the more you grow in Christ-likeness, the more you're showing to your children what God is actually like. And that has a tremendous impact and thus their own desire to, to worship him and to honour him and to serve him with all their heart, soul, mind and strength, this is aroused within them. As they see in the home, lived out in daily flesh and blood what, what God is like. Thirdly, we disciple in the humility of Christ. The discipling mother knows Proverbs twenty nine twenty three. That a man's pride shall bring him low. Or for our purposes of the morning, a mother's pride shall bring her low. But honour shall uphold the humble in spirit. James 4 says, God resisteth the proud, it giveth grace to the humble. If you think about it, pride is the root of so many other sins. If you think about it, humility is the root of so many other virtues. Pride and humility are at the root of so many other things. And in a storm, a tree is not stronger than its roots. 
neither are we. A healthy root system in the tree will lead to life. A defective root system leads to death. And those two verses I've just quoted, we have these two contrasting root systems. The one root system of pride, that is Satan's way, leads to to death. Family disharmony, family disunity. The other way, God's way, the way of humility, heals families, promotes like-mindedness in families to the glory of God. I want you to consider the, the extreme contrast of these two root systems. Satan's way is to be controlled by pride. Self on the throne, competing with God for first place. Pride is at the root of so many other sins. And this is something that children will naturally gravitate towards. They will easily imitate that. And every time pridefulness raises its ugly head, it must be firmly resisted. By contrast, God's way is to humbly yield to Christ's control, depending on his power to live out what he requires of us in his word. And because humility is at the root of so many other virtues, This is the spirit. This is the attitude we want to cultivate in ourselves and we want to cultivate in our children. Brethren, brethren, be alert to the the dangers of a defective root system which can be devastating in your family. Satan is fully aware that whoever controls the children controls the future. Therefore, one of his schemes, one of his wiles is to weaken or destroy a godly woman's influence. And how he would love to enslave you in the same sin that was his downfall, pride. And thereby conceivably capture the hearts and souls of our children as well. Each day, each of us repeatedly faces choices. Serve God Follow Satan. Only two choices on the shelf, pleasing God or pleasing self. Many times a day. But being a model of humility will help equip our daughters to be virtuous women, to become virtuous wives and mothers. And at the same time, Being a witness to humility in the home will better prepare sons to assume godly leadership in the future, to make wise choices throughout their lives. Love, unity and humility. This trinity of graces is an essential part of the discipling process to show our children what godliness looks like, to show our children what our Saviour looks like, to to put in flesh and blood Christ-likeness. I mentioned earlier about Amy Carmichael and the impact of her life. And if we had more time, we could talk about, shared similar things about John Patton, his upbringing and the impact of his life, and Corey Tamboon, her upbringing and the impact of her life, and Elizabeth Elliot, many others. What do these dear saints of God all have in common? They have this, that they all learn to trust God. They all learn to honour God 
with their whole lives at the knee of their mothers who ultimately took them by the hand and introduced them, who put their hand in the, in the hand of God. When your children open the windows of their yielded hearts, be prepared to pour in the love of Christ and be prepared to begin to drink in the sweetness of the greatest ministry that a mother can have. If you walk humbly with God in this manner, your children will rise up and call you blessed. Your husband will praise you. And on that great day when you are ushered into the very presence of the Lord, you will hold his everlasting hand and hear these words, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the scriptures. I thank you for your design for the family. I thank you for the various roles that you have assigned to parents. We thank you for the particular emphasis that we see in the scriptures highlighted today for mothers. Father, there are many mothers who for many years have been doing this and more. And we thank you and we praise you for them. We thank you for the impact of their lives upon us. Father, we uh, pray for young mothers especially, just beginning. Pray for mothers of young children. I pray for mothers with older children too. Whilever we have children, we continue to have an impact upon their lives. No doubt our role changes somewhat as the children grow older. But we thank you for the ongoing discipling ministry that you've given to mothers. Thank you for their influence and impact in the wider church family as well. Uh, We've all benefited greatly. And for that we give you thanks and praise. And for the needs at hand, Lord, we just commend mothers to you. Thank you for the good example that we find in the scriptures. Thank you for the instruction that we find in the scriptures. Thank you that the spirit of God can take the word of God. And that through these means, mothers can become more and more like the Lord Jesus. And have a great impact upon their own children and the children within the family of God. Thank you for this blessing. We offer these, our prayers and petitions, praying in Jesus' name. Amen.